I was living in a hotel room while the fire damage at my parents' house was repaired. Public travel lodge. A mm. jagged edge of the bottle slashed across my hand. I thought about drowning myself in the bathtub like Hannah Bishkovsky. <gasps> what? I can't believe it said that. I looked like a person who had been living on the street instead of a Holiday Inn Express. I had only been in the room for a little over 48 hours. I had seemed to age 10 years in a day. <gasps> Dead. No, I just was doing slowly. Oh. <laughs> Laisha was going to have to do an exorcism. I don't think that Laisha has the appropriate qualifications to do an exorcism. I think she should try. I'm getting exercise right now. Welcome, Welcome to, to episode 18 of, of Ghost Hands. That's one of the best introductions we've ever done. We've got a little guest. I think we've got, we've got our first guest. It's Rosie the Sex Pest. No. Oh. It was like a poem. Oh. We've got our first guest, Rosie the Sex Pest. Ding, 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 ding. Not ding. a children's programme that will be commissioned oh, soon. You're so lovely. We've got a little doggy on the table with us. Cute, aren't you? You've been inside, Hannah. Okay. Oh, she's very Technically cute. just on my nips. On your nips, not inside. No. Um, well, how lovely. Uh, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? We have only seen each other about 12 hours ago. <clears throat> and uh, we just had the fry up of dreams. Um, at Kennington Lane Cafe, really recommend them. Oh fuck, it was great. That white mocha is the best one I've ever had. Yeah, everything's tasting really. Everything is today. so good today. Mm. Um, Rosie, are you okay? She wants to be near me. She does, doesn't she? She's got a bit of a. She likes a bit of a crush on me. <laughs> Careful, put your nips away. Yeah, I know. She's a devil for them. <clears throat> it's very cold in here, so they're mm. very much out. Um, so yeah, um, I'm hungover. I woke up at half past eleven. I was supposed to meet Susie at half past eleven. That's why I look like shit, and I have a spot on my face, which yes, I have noticed, and I wanted to get it all out there now. <laughs> Rosie's staring at it. <laughs> Rosie couldn't give a shit, and I've actually cast a Rosie today, which has been, well, she's really, really very easy to look after. But like leaving the house, I have to get dressed. I have to get Rosie dressed. I'll get the nightmare. I am um, getting in a bag. Do you know what I noticed this morning? And I would have had it. At, I mean, no one would have seen on stage, but I had um, a black hair coming out my chin that was so long and thick. It was like a pube. Shut up. Well, when you, when it, just you like untangle it, it, it like and that. you go, oh, was it straight out? Straight out. Like How a, did you not knock like anyone? A spike. Yeah, I know. It was minging. And I was like, if anyone's seen that, I'm being obviously too polite to be like, you yeah. have a massive black hair. Of course, hair. I would have told you. I look like um, Jafar. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, like that point. Personality-wise, they're also very samey. Yeah, <laughs> you know? evil. Yeah. Although I want a little parrot. Shall we do the tarot? Oh, yes, we must. Okay. Am I going to pick it today? Yeah, it's your turn. Am I going to pick it pick- Yes. Okay. Oh, you, or maybe Rosie. Oh, you? you've just covered. Oh, Rosie. I was say get Rosie. I think Rosie should. Okay. Rosie, which one? Which card? Just need to spread them out a little bit more. I love it when she does that. So. Rosie, which card Rosie, do you want? Rosie, baby, which one do you want? Come on, Rosie. Which one? Oh, can you? Did she just click on? No, has she stepped on one? No. Okay. Well, I mean, if she has, it's that one. But I don't really want to go for the the last one. No, Rosie, give her time. Give her time. Which one? Oh, what? I mean, she's getting all excited. She's shivering. Oh, she. Do you know what though? She is point. I'm gonna. Oh, oh no, that's what she wants to. She wants a stroke. That's what it is. Okay. Can you pick a card, please? I need to blow my nose. Can you pick a card, please? Rosie, 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 Rosie. Okay, the dog, for all those people watching, <laughs> is point blank refusing to pick a card. So I'm going to pick one for her. <gasps> We've got the goddamn sticks again. 
No. Six of sticks. Oh my god. Have okay. we had that before? That is the one. That's so weird. That's... Have we had that before? Um, no, but I swear in like t- like two weeks ago, that one was... Do you like that, Rosie? The one we nearly went for or something. This is very weird. We're having a theme here. There's, it's always carrots. It's always... No, they're, they're wands. They're not wands. They're they've orange. literally got... They're orange and they've got leaves coming out the top of them, the carrots. Okay, well, that's a long fucking carrot. So the six of carrots um, appears when you have reached an important milestone or achieved a significant goal. Ha! You are confident, self-assured and successful. <gasps> I are. mean, I hope this isn't the ceiling. No, but also, well, the show we did last night, it was like a yeah. milestone. That's well, hang on, I'm a bit worried about this now. It says not only have you achieved your goals, but you are receiving public acknowledgement for your efforts. <gasps> oh, my I'm God. sorry. I'm so I'm sorry. I've we had some Ghost Ones listeners in the crowd last night, Barney. Oh, yeah? Yes. That's so maybe mental. that's public recognition public. of this as well. Oh, this is insane. Every yeah. time. All right, get that lad on a horse with his carrots. Pop that, that lad on a horse Pop with his carrots. There. there we go. Look at that. Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> I, I'd love a screenshot of that. We haven't had a bad one. Oh, there bad cards in tarot? I didn't think there were. The tower. The ta- What's the tower mean? Uh, death, destruction, divorce. Oh. <laughs> So, um, anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, I What I might do... Oh, death is a good one, isn't it, actually? I remember, is it like a rebirth, rebirth. death? Yeah, oh, it's, like, it's, it's the part after oh, the divorce. I love a rebirth. When you're ready for your new love life. Love it so much. It's like when you dream of having a baby, and it, it doesn't actually mean that you're having a baby. It means that something new is going to come. Mm. I love that. I love that journey. Well, we me. haven't picked that, so... Mm. That's why I don't <laughs> think I want to get married, because I love the idea of having, like... I think I like breakups. Do you? <laughs> I think I like me. Adam, stop coming... No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just really want to. I think up. I really like how I like. I think I like what happens after I get over a breakup and then I come back. I I love my comebacks. Okay. I think I come back stronger. Hmm. Uh, funnier. To be honest, you need some setbacks to make you stronger, right? Love my break. I lo- I mean, I didn't like my breakups, but I loved me after a bre- after I'd gotten over the breakup. Yeah, I know what you mean. You're you're about self-learning. Do you not feel sometimes a little bit like, yeah, Adam, stop listening. Do you not feel like sometimes that you do feel jealous of the single people? Mm, sometimes, yeah. I do I kinda, I, sometimes I miss those days. Like, I love Adam, but I'm like, that was good though, wasn't it? Okay. Are you ready for, I think we're on the last part of... Part five. Part five. Of my, t- my dead wife. My, my dead wife my, is on my, Tinder. Is my so Tinder um, we're going back to Derry. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna finish this story off because I want to know how it ends. Part five of my dead wife matched with me on Tinder. Do we remember Laisha? She's a medium, and Laisha and Alison sound like they come from very different households. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Do you mean like I don't feel like the same parents who would pick Laisha mm-hmm. would pick Alison? Alison is a pretty boring name. It is. Laisha's great. Laisha went. For... Laisha's sexy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I wouldn't mind being called Laisha. Um, so, where do we get to? I think something like. Imagine um, Susie called Laisha. That's not. No. No, that is Izzy Eddard. Eddie Izzard has changed her name to Susie. Do you remember when we said, I think a couple of weeks ago, that we're trailblazers? Yeah. I'm a fucking trailblazer. <laughs> that came true. Yeah. Eddie Izzard, you want to be called Susie? No problem. <laughs> 
<laughs> problem. No problem. I'm not going to stop you. Although she's spelling it S-U-Z-Y and I'm S-U-Z-I-E, which yeah. is the better way, okay. as we all know. Part five of My <laughs> Dead Wife is on Tinder. I went to see Laisha immediately. She was waiting on the front porch of her house, even though it was just daybreak, and I hadn't told her I was coming. She was nursing a cup of coffee and a freshly killed bowl of weed. Sorry? What do you mean freshly killed? I guess that's maybe an Americanism. For harvested. No, I think, like, she's just smoked it. Oh. Oh, I see. Two people who obviously are not. I'm very, with Trump. I'm very cool, and uh, I knew that. Laisha took me inside and sat me down. She grabbed me by the face and pulled mine closer to hers. I'll share the words she shared with me. Alison loved you. She would never do any of these terrible things to you, but this is no longer her. That darkness has taken over her spirit. There is still some of her and her light deep down inside her, and sometimes it cracks through and sends you some of that sweetness which made you love her but it will always now only be brief. You can't hang on anymore. You can keep her in your mind and your heart, but that's the only place she can live for you. Otherwise, this evil spirit will take you down with it and you'll both be haunted. I had to let go of that wedding ring. I went back to our house. I remembered there was one more thing in addition to the wedding ring of Alison's I hadn't brought myself to purge yet that I also had to get rid of. Alison always wore the same perfume. I left a bottle in the bathroom back at the house because I couldn't bring myself to throw it out. Keeping her scent was one of the things I really didn't want to lose. I would spray it periodically to remember her. I pulled the perfume bottle out of the bathroom cupboard and started to carry it out of the room. I was almost to the door when I tripped and fell. I fell into the counter with the perfume bottle in my hand. The bottle smashed into the edge of the sink and shattered. A Mm. jagged edge of the bottle slashed across my hand, ripping open my palm. Some of the liquid of the perfume splashed up into my face, landing in my mouth, stinging my tongue. This is a fucking nightmare. No, forget the cut. You are never getting rid of that smell. Mm. Oh, my God. (laughs) I hope they're not these people that have a carpeted bathroom. Also, yeah, I know. When he's he's talking about how much he's like, I like to smell her periodically, but then he's still fucking You're still getting your dick wet with fucking four-year-olds. No, that's not. No, I didn't mean that. Oh, but you know what I, I mean? May, I mean, I just don't still, believe him. It's not he's still going out. I just hate this whole, I hate this whole, like, I only date 20-year-olds. Mm. Screeching to an end. Alison's perfume seeped into my body through the cuts in my hand and the liquid soaked my mouth. I shook it off. What, what kind of perfume do you reckon it is? I reckon it's, do you remember, um, Beyonce, I already had it Beyonce in my Beyonce Diamonds. No, do you remember, it was called... Um, okay, no, wait, hang on. I need to find this because <laughs> you will know this and it will bring back when I say the name of Is the it perfume, Alien? No. When I bring back the name of this, but when I bring, no, it's very cheap. <clears throat> when I bring up the name, I don't think that Alison's a cheap woman. I think Derry's bought her for Christmas. Yeah. And he's a cheap fuck. And also, she just wears it for him on like date night. Yeah. And she's like, every other time, she's like, that's me. Mm. Um, date night. Okay, I've got it. I think it's this one. I think it's Avon Far Away. Let's see it. Do you remember that? Oh, no, I don't think I You've do. You've never seen that? Oh, my God. Everyone, anyone listening who had Avon far away, I thought this was like... <laughs> the peak. I thought it was the, the fucking best thing. Oh, there it is. Look at that. To be honest, as a teenager, I'd have found that. Very. Uh, it was lure. very exotic, but it was incredibly minging. Do you remember Impulse? All of those Impulse sprays. 
Oh, did they do So Kiss Me's? And so love me and so shag me and all them. Yeah, they all had weird names like Bliss and Oh Sun yeah, Kiss. so weird, isn't it? And they it? stank, but it's they were so, amazing. So so straight. The the, the the early noughties was quite the I loved the it. time for makeup and scents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The makeup was bad. It's like um, what was it? The uh, what was it called? The Joe Tree Matt Moose. Fuck. Oh yeah, yeah. That's still that's still that's still going. Yeah. Might get myself some. So, she's got her Avon perfume seeping into uh, Derry. Alison's perfume seeped into my body through the cuts of my hand and the liquid soaked my mouth. Ugh. I shook it off. The wounds on my hand didn't require stitches and that awful taste eventually evaporated off my tongue. What? Okay, time's moving. Jesus forward. Christ. I went to the bank. <laughs> Wing Lung Bank. I went to England um, in Hong Kong. <laughs> then I came home and then I did some groceries. Um, <clears throat> Wingland. I went to the bank and got into my safe deposit box. The only, do, you, do you have one of those? No, I don't think anyone has one no, in the UK. It's weird, isn't Barney, it? Barney, do you have one? Is it if you have diamonds? I think it, yeah, I think it's for like if you have things that are really, really real or a mm. gun. Oh, I'd like diamonds. You know how I feel about guns. Yeah, well, you want a gun. <laughs> I'll get you a safety deposit box for, you, for your birthday. Um, I went to the bank and got into my safe deposit box. The only thing in there was my white gold wedding band staring at me as soon as I slid open the drawer. I scooped it out of the drawer and slipped it onto my ring finger. How loose the ring was on my finger crushed me. What is he? Why? What, has he lost weight in his fingers or something? I don't understand. Is he the main character in that <clears> Stephen <throat> King book, Thinner? Have you seen that film? No, that, that went over our heads. Watch the film. Anyone who uh, is listening that has that would have laughed at that, actually, because mm. it was a very funny well, joke. Well, they're not here now. Okay. So. Alison was an excellent cook, and not having her around cooking for me and my general depression since she got sick had whittled down the girth of my fingers. I fucking hate you, Derry. Fuck off. He's like, well, could you please cook for me when I'm Order depressed? Order fucking Uber Eats, oh, Belen. Fucking learn to put a chicken in the oven, you yeah. twat. When was the last time you put a chicken in the oven? Uh, recently. <laughs> <laughs> recently! <laughs> not a full chicken, because that's Order a much. Tops pizza, Derry, come but, on. But, like, it's not hard. And what do you mean, not like, a full chicken? No, it's in, like, chicken bits. Sorry, chicken Chick bits. Chicken bits in the oven, chicken tray. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 18, everyone, chicken bits. <laughs> chicken nuggets. I put chicken nuggets oh, on a tray. Chicken nuggets on a massive tray. And surround and it with courgette. <laughs> Can't get those anymore, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Susie did a tomato joke last night, which went down like a fart in a car. <laughs> absolutely died I tried to do like a topical joke I was like oh well chance would be a fine thing having some tomatoes nothing no but I didn't even hear it yeah no one did okay um, I did comedy <laughs> the thing would barely even stay on my finger oh I'm getting so depressed and thin fingered fuck off Derry thin fingered I, I intended to take the thing right back off I didn't yet I walked out the bank with it on that's when the descent started. What descent? You're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I was living in a hotel room while the fire damage at my parents' house was repaired. It was one of those mid-range chain hotels by the airport without the least bit of charm or life and perpetually dim, probably travel lodge. My room was at the top floor at the very end of the hallway and it became my dark sanctuary from the world. I stopped going to work. I stopped hanging out with my parents. No friends, no apps, just me, sitting in my room and barely turning the lights on. 
I can hardly even remember what happened during that time. It's like a movie I can only vaguely remember watching. Bits and pieces come to me, and I can see little snippets of that time, but they feel like I'm watching my life, not participating in it. I thought about breaking the window and jumping out. I thought about, oh, please do. <laughs> yeah, please, just please. do yourself a favour. <laughs> and us, you bellend. I thought about drowning myself in the bathtub like Hannah Bishkovsky. <gasps> what? I can't believe it said that. It's incredibly rude. Lol. I thought about drowning myself in the bathtub or throwing the TV plugged in to the bathtub while I was in it. Why the TV do a toaster? It's much easier. <laughs> why get or a hairdryer? Why get the fucking imagine wheeling it in? <laughs> I don't know why I'm living in the late 1990s where all TVs have arses on them. <laughs> Let me get my two. Like at school when they used to wheel the TV in. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. That was good, wasn't it? I'm imagining those TVs, not a, not a flat screen. It's too much effort for Derry. I thought about the steak knife that had come with my room service one night. Sorry, he's in a shitty little airport uh, hotel. And he's got he's got a steak knife. The rooms are fuck off. Though. Yeah, they do though, don't they? Every hotel has room service. No matter how shit they are. Gross. I thought about the steak knife that came with room service one night, and thought about what I could do with it. My parents and Laisha rescued me. They came to my door one night and wouldn't let me not come out. Laisha took a photo to show me how terrible I looked. Wouldn't let me not come out. Yeah. Shut up. Double negative. Shut up. Double neggy. Laisha took a photo to show me how terrible I looked. Good on her. Sunken dark eyes, ashen skin, my hair coated with grease. I looked like a person who had been living on the street instead of a Holiday Inn Express. Why? Hang on. Why is he living in a Holiday Inn Express? Because he moved out of his parents' place because his parents' place set fire. Oh, of course. Sorry. Forgot. That's fine. Um, But then came the worst part. I had only been in the room for a little over 48 hours. It was like my deterioration was in a warp drive. I had seemed to age 10 years in a day. Whatever came into me through that perfume had carried me to hell. My parents were major sceptics and were freaked out about Laisha contacting them because she was worried about me. However, they were completely understanding and open-minded about the dark power of everything that had happened with Alison, so they let Laisha in the room with me alone. Laisha examined me with a horrified look on her face the entire time. I was just starting to come to, and the dire nature of the faces and sounds she was making were throwing me into a panic. Laisha was going to have to do an exorcism. Oh, I d- Okay. I don't think that Laisha has the appropriate qualifications to do an exorcism. I think she should try. <laughs> because I don't give a fuck about Derry. I'm pretty sure only a priest can do an exorcism. Mm. Um, let's okay, see. No, on <laughs> no, I just want to carry on. Um, Laisha was going to have to do an exorcism. The power of the darkness was too deep inside of me to do anything else. Going and throwing my wedding ring into the river wasn't going to be enough at this point. I thought that was going to mean just lighting some candles, burning some sage, holding some crosses and making some pleas to the Holy Spirit. Laisha quickly informed me this was not the case. I watched as Laisha pulled out a syringe, a vial of clear liquid and a little rubber hose, a setup that looked like it would be for shooting heroin. She told Okay. Me, I love it. She told me the liquid was holy water as she pulled out a blindfold. I didn't believe in God, so how was that holy water going to work? She explained that she explained the darkness could be affected by something that simply believes in being clean, being holy, being a light and not a dark. Holy water was the best she could do for that, even though she didn't believe in God either. Laisha blindfolded me and tied me to the bed. 
I didn't know it was coming when she slipped that syringe into my arm. I got the biggest head rush of my what? life when she dropped the plunger down and I felt myself melt into the soft mattress of the bed. She drugged him? Yeah. I suddenly couldn't move. Everything was dark, but I felt like I was riding on Space Mountain. <laughs> so, sounds that's great. Yeah. yeah. Cutting through the darkness at breakneck speed. Then it all started to slow and a familiar voice drilled into the back of my head. It was Alison, the old Alison. Derry? Yeah. Her soft voice, kind again, floored me. I couldn't answer her before she spoke into me again. What happened? Into him. I took in a deep breath that felt like I inhaled the entire universe into my suddenly heavy chest. <gasps> Dead. No, I just was doing foley. <clears throat> I started communicating back to Alison's spirit into the void. You've been torturing me. You've ruined my life. You have to stop. You have to let go of me. But please don't let go of me. It couldn't hurt more to do what I had to do. I was surprised I was strong enough to start forming the statements in my head that I did. I won't forget you, but I have to let you go, Bert. <laughs> what? Birdie. Fuck. It says um, birdie, but I was doing a callback. Bert. <laughs> Bert. <laughs> I won't forget you, but I have to let you go, Birdie. I will never forget you, but I'll let go... But I'll let go of my hold on you. I hate them both now. And you have to too. She didn't respond. <sighs> Please, Birdie, I have to go on. I'm falling apart. I think it's that voice. I think you're making me hate. I think it's that. that. More than anything. That's not me who is torturing you. I know. I know your pain. I love you. <laughs> my clear... <laughs> so much. <laughs> my clear head allowed me to feel something I don't think I would have felt without Leisha's assistance. I could feel that darkness seeping into Alison, like it was filling her blood. I felt it was getting injected into her, like that holy water into me when she took those pregnant pauses. I could feel the rage building. I could feel it sucking me into myself. I started to lose my cool. She stopped placing words into my mind, and instead, I fell into just a feeling of her pulling me deeper into the hole I was in. I started to feel like I couldn't fight it anymore. Then the voice came into my head, but it was lower, colder darker this time. Just stay with me. It was a dark whisper in my ear and I wanted to give in to it. I could just let go. It would be easy. It would be nice to stay with her. I felt her nails dig into me and something switched inside of me. The pain. The sting of it. It was familiar and it woke me up. I'm sorry. I have to go. Alison <coughs> stopped talking again. Instead, she just dug those nails deeper and deeper into me. But I fought it. I pushed myself away, out into space and into nothing. I apologised one more time without words and then I felt myself float away. I felt Alison's rage turn to sadness as we parted ways and I felt control start to come back to my body. I could feel it was her. This was not the family darkness, not what took her over, not that demon. It was just her and she was saying goodbye now. Goodbye Derry, I love you, I'm sorry. All of the feeling returned to my body just as I absorbed hearing what I always needed to hear. I was ready to go back. I could feel myself crossing back to being in that plain hotel room by the airport. I could hear Laisha's voice calling me back. I didn't say anything, but I reached my arms out as far as I could, and for the slightest, softest of moments, I felt my hand brush against Alison's, feeling the rough scrape of the diamond of her engagement ring press into the inside of my hand. I woke up on the bed, Laisha's face pressed up against mine, Relief washed all over her face. How do you feel? She asked, plenty of wary. 
still on her face. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of wary. <laughs> I've, oh, fuck's sake. I felt the best I had in a really long time. I felt like I had truly exercised a demon. Holy water could really do all that? I asked Laisha instead of answering her question. No, that was ketamine. <laughs> That's not what it says. No, that was ketamine, but I just didn't want to freak you out, Laisha explained. <laughs> You cannot do that, Leisha. Leisha's a fucking legend. That was ke- I thought you'd made that up. That's no. really funny. <laughs> no, no that, it was ketamine. No, that was ketamine, actually. That was horse trank. I don't think anything could have freaked me out at that moment. I was ready to move on with my life for the first time in years. I'm writing this a few years after it all happened. Hang on. Hang on. We have not established why we're using ketamine to contact the dead. Well, it's a, it's a form of exorcism, according to Leisha. Leisha is... Very successful. A fucking... <laughs> Full of wary. <laughs> She's a party animal. <laughs> She's a fucking lunatic and she I love it. She's a lunatic, her. yeah. Uh, I'd go out for a drink with Aisha. I don't think I would. She sounds terrible. What? And you just like end the night by no, she's, injecting you with heroin? She's just a bit jokes. Okay. She's a little bit wee, a little bit woo. I'm writing this a few years after it all happened. It took me that long to really absorb and remember it all to be able to properly retell it. Things have returned to normal. I have a girlfriend. Bet she's six. Not from t- <laughs> <laughs> I have a girlfriend. Not from Tinder. Oh, well done, Derry. I have a new house. I have a life. All I have left of Alison are the memories. Well, <laughs> I do have one physical item I did keep that I didn't tell Aisha about. I never got the little A tattoo behind my earlobe removed. Every once in a while, I'll wake up in the middle of the night with it itching and I'll wonder if it's Alison returning or just sending me a little hello. But then it goes away, and I go back to sleep. I almost never see it, but I always know it's there. And that's perfect. Ugh. Bit like Voldemort, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Like the lightning scar. Well, that well, I hated the end most, of five. I hated most of the characters and that. Uh, I mean... Glad to, glad to see you back a bit. Yeah, it took some... Re- Sorry. <laughs> really thrilled to be here. <laughs> um, it, it took some twists and turns, didn't it? <laughs> You know, the carbonara. Carbonara, the ketamine. The ketamine exorcism. (laughs) Well, that was nice. Thank you. Well, that was a a long-running series, but I hope you all enjoyed it. And Hannah, you've got a story. Uh, I have been reading up on the Hammersmith ghost this week. And it's actually quite an interesting tale because, um, I mean, arguably no ghosts are involved. That's a good ghost story then. You can go for a tour with it. You can go on a Jack the Ripper tour to see the Hammersmith ghost, by the way. Um, so basically, I'm just going to tell you a very brief story and then I'm going to go through... Um, I'm going to go just take a look through the news- newspaper article, see if there's anything else missed. So, in November and December of 1803, we're going back, back. Back it up, back it in. <laughs> Let me begin. We're going back. Battle me. That's a sin. In November and December 1803, reports began circulating in the parish of Hammersmith to the west of London that a terrifying ghostly apparition was being encountered by men and women as they made their way along the district's dark thoroughfares by night. Some witnesses said that it was attired in a white sheet. It was a what? It was attired dressed. Attired? Yeah. This is, I mean, it's 1803, Susie, we're getting into the... What's that? So it's it's wearing, it's dressed in. I'm so confused. Are you kidding? You know when someone goes, well, I like your attire. Oh, attire. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. No, Sorry, no. did I say something completely fucking different? You said tired in. No. No, I said attired. Mm, disagree. Oh, my God. You're on Luckily, ketamine. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting exercise right now. Okay. Oh. 
Some witnesses said that it was attired in a white sheet, whilst others said that it wore the skin of an animal, a carved hide or something of that nature. Mm. However, the story, when it was reported in the daily newspaper, caused a sensation, and it wasn't long before groups of young men armed with pistols and rifles were wandering the dark lanes of Hammersmith by night, determined to lay the troublesome spectre once and for all. Amongst the ghost hunters was a 29-year-old excise officer, I don't know what that is, excise officer by the name of Francis Smith. On the night of the 3rd of January 1804, he armed himself with a fowling piece, which is a gun, to gun, and headed out into the dark of Black Lion Lane to search for the wrath that had been causing so much trouble in the parish. I really like the word parish. Mm. I don't, do you know what I mean? Parish. Parish. It's foley-y. Isn't it? Parish. 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 What does it mean? Like, is it a church? It's so. It's a, uh, It's like a congregation. Well, not really a congregation. It's like um. The local it's parish. like it's 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 a religious way of saying. What do they say in <laughs> in political <laughs> in political it's terms? A, um, it's the equivalent of a constituency. The constituency. That's it. So it's like a religious constituency. Lovely. So it can mean the community. It can mean. The church, loads of different things, but it's, it's kind of like an area, anyway. At the same time, 22-year-old Thomas Millwood, a bricklayer by trade, had just left his parents' house on Black Lion Lane to go and meet his wife, who was ironing at the house of the local outrider. Don't know what that is. Thomas was dressed in his usual work attire, which consisted of white trousers, white apron, Mm-mm. white waistcoat, and a white shirt. Oh, no, they're going to lynch him. At Black Lion Lane's junction was Beaver Lane... The two men came face to face and Francis Smith, who had, according to contemporary reports, partaken of a liberal amount of Dutch courage, so basically he was battered, Mm. in one of the district's taverns, was convinced he was in the presence of the Hammersmith ghost. Oh no. Damn you! (laughs) Cried Smith. Who are you? What are you? Damn you, I will shoot you! And they're just absolutely cunted. Yeah, battered. The ghost made no reply, but instead advanced towards him and was terrified. And the terrified Smith raised his fouling piece, pulled the trigger and shot Thomas Millwood dead. True story. No. That's shit, isn't it? So so people have been citing Thomas. Thomas is wandering about and is Well, no, so, no, that's no. People, someone actually did dress up as a laugh, as a ghost. And I think, oh, hang on, let me just finish this and I'll tell you. Um, so Smith then went to alert the night watchman, William Girdler, that he had shot the ghost. Hurrying to the scene, Girdler found the t- body of Thomas Millwood lying face up at the dark lane, quite dead. Shit. He told Smith to go back to his lodgings, which he did. The inquest into Thomas Millwood's death, which was held at the Black Lion. The jury found that the victim had been willfully murdered by Francis Smith and the coroner ordered him to stand trial at Central Criminal Court, the Old Bailey. At his trial, Smith was found guilty of murder and the recorder duly sentenced him to death. Albeit a stay of execution was then obtained, and a few weeks later, Smith received His Majesty's pardon on the condition he serve a year in prison. That's a bit. That's a. That's kind of both opposite ends of the scale, isn't it? You dead? No. All right, and just do a year in prison, and we'll call it quits. Mm, yeah, yeah. So did they see? So someone had dressed as a ghost for a laugh. Yeah. So I'm trying to find. Spread a bit of delirium around the parish. Yeah. And then this poor lad who's actually wearing white for work, just literally walking past, got him. shot. That's mad, isn't it? Drunk lads. Oh, so a cobbler named John Graham sheepishly came forward after the killing of Tom's Millwood, Thomas Millwood. To, oh, so that's why this guy got the stay of execution. <laughs> a cobbler named John Graham sheepishly came forward and admitted to being the ghost 
He explained that the apprentices in his shop had been telling his children scary stories, so he decided to get even by frightening the apprentices. He wrapped himself in a white tablecloth and tried to frighten his workers at night on a few occasions. The panicked imaginations of Londoners did the rest. Uh, you know what? It's always a John. Oh, uh, that's it. Mass hysteria. That's mass it. hysteria. The tale of the Hammersmith ghost is an excellent example of mass hysteria. People in the neighbourhood seem to have become genuinely unnerved by the escalating rumours. Their paranoia led to a tragic death. The people of Hammersmith didn't entirely learn their lesson from the events of 1804. People began to report sightings of the Hammersmith ghost again 20 years later. Only this time they claimed he could breathe fire. Oh, wow. But people have said now that they can see the ghost of Thomas Millward. This is why I get really annoyed with ghosts because not not ghosts in general, but the whole ghost thing. Because I I just I, this is what I think happens. I don't think people actually see them. I think you get so scared. As in you're told about like the grey lady, and then, and then, then you, you see go, it. Yeah. yeah, and then it's you like go the to... white bear thing in it when you don't think of a white bear, and all you think about is a white bear. Right. Yeah. It's that kind of vibe. I mean. I, that's the thing, if you go to, especially if you're doing like a ghost hunt, like if we if we end up doing... Which like we a, are going to do. Which we are going to we do. We're going to stay the night at like some haunted places. But yeah. I think what they do is they'll be like, okay, these are the ghosts to watch out for. Yeah. And of course, you're going to have that in your mind. You're going to paint the image and then anything you see, you'll fill it out. There was a chef at the Black Lion pub who said that he saw the Hammersmith ghost. Oh, really? Yeah, quite often. If I, I'd love to see a ghost. Do you know what? I feel like before the year is done, we might. Do you think so? Yeah. I'd love that. I just think what we're doing is gradually putting ourselves into the line of the other uh, We are getting haunted world. all the time. We are kind of... Things like... Yeah. And I don't know whether it's just because I'm more aware of it, because we do this every week. But yeah. I am starting to be, like, just slightly more jumpy. Like, yeah. when, when I'm, at, I'm in the flat and, like, Johnny comes through a door, I'm like... Ugh! Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell Adam now that if he's going to come... Well, I was like, if you do come up... When you come up to the flat... Can you let me know when you're about to come in the door? Like, call me. Because otherwise, I'm like... Yeah, I know. And he's like, I live here too, remember? Yeah. And I'm like, well... And he does this thing with me and Rosie yourself. in the house. He'll open the door, Dad, why? And he'll go, hello, girls! <laughs> Which is a bit gross, but also, it scares me. So, uh, yeah. Well. Okay. Um, thank you for that. Uh, Hannah Ghost. So, um, Hannah, I have found... Um, and I've got it onto my phone. Um, R.L. Stein, give yourself goosebumps. And this is called Reader Beware, You Choose the Scam. Oh, because of the Reader Beware, you're in for a scam. And this one is called Welcome to the Wicked Wax Museum. Love it. Looks like that. Oh, I think I've read that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, right. Give yourself goosebumps. Here we go. Is this not reading a whole book? Yeah, it's 165 pages. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we could do a bit. <laughs> Should we do a bit of it and just yeah, see where you then. get to? Um, so, Because I just think this is such a good throwback. <laughs> but we could do it, you know, just see yeah, where well. we go. Okay. Your history class takes a trip to the new wax museum. You and your friends Liz and Jake hope the trip will make history less boring. But you have no idea what the Wicked Wax Museum has in store for you. First, Jake vanishes. Do you and Liz stay in the museum to find him? Or do you leave to get help? If you stay, look out for strange men in doctor's masks. Keep out of the steaming room if you can. And beware of the wax figures that seem a little too lifelike. Especially that hooded one with the gleaming axe. 
If you leave the museum, get ready for a terrifying time. Meet Sybil Wicked and her skull-faced servant, Axel. They've developed a horrible new kind of plastic surgery. Can you and Liz escape before your faces get lifted? Hang on. It's it literally, I was just on my way to a wax museum. Yeah, no. And I... now I've my face lifted off by a man in a doctor's <laughs> mask. That all happened quite quickly. Yeah, maybe I need to start. Oh, yeah, sh- I shouldn't have done that. Jesus. Okay, let's start again. Can we keep that in? Yeah. Okay, chapter one. Cool, you exclaimed to your best friends, Liz and Jake. The field trip to the Wicked Wax Museum is today. I can't believe our class get to see it the day before the grand opening. Shalom. <laughs> She's cool. Cool girl. She's a cool girl. Finally, Mr. Dunning's history class won't be such a bore, Jake adds, flipping his black baseball cap around backwards. Mr. Dunning, more like Mr. Dull. Ha! Thanks, Jake, you, <laughs> you said it, Liz giggles. Her red curls bounce when she laughs. Hey, why is it called the Wicked Wax Museum anyway? Liz reminds me of you. Yeah, I'm Liz. I'm Liz and you're the main character. I don't know who, who the main character is, but we'll find the name. Um, what, you call him Barney Jake? Yeah, Barney's Jake. I'm Liz, and you're the one who's the main character. Um, You said it, Liz giggles. (laughs) Her red curls bounce when she laughs. She's so pretty. He doesn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why is it called the Wicked Wax Museum anyway? That's the name of the guy who owns it, Jake explains. Dr. Izzy Wicked. He made all the wax figures. Well, according to Mr. Dull, Liz adds, the museum is supposed to bring history to life for us, or something like that. You're right, Jake smirks. And maybe the wax figures will come to life too. Oh, gross, Liz cries. You're giving me the creeps, Jake. Come on, you two, you say. The bus is here. Let's be the first in line so we can grab the back seats. That's so you, isn't it? I love back seats. Yeah. On the bus, you rush to the back. You and Liz take a two-seater. Jake sits alone across the aisle with his red sneakered feet on the seat. Now no one else can sit there. Jake leans back. His chin-length brown hair falls over the top of the seat. Let's get this crate rolling, he mutters. Sorry. Barney, you're a bellend. <laughs> All right, people, Mr Dunning shouts from the front of the bus. Thanks to my personal donation to the museum, we get to see the place before it opens to the public tomorrow. The teacher does one last head count. All right, Sal, he says to the driver. We're all here, let's go. As soon as the bus starts moving, Jake presses his nose and open lips flat against the window for the viewing pleasure of the other people on the road. Then he breathes onto the window and writes in the steam, Honk if you hate history. Honk, you say, laughing. Go on. Honk! (laughs) Honk, honk, Liz adds. You and Liz are honking so so loud. That's so you. (laughs) We we are honking so loud you don't see Mr Dunning coming down the aisle. He looks mad. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> That's enough out of you three. You're always making trouble, the red-faced Mr Dunning sputters. If you hate history so much, you can wait for the rest of us in the lobby. Oh, brother, you groan. There goes our fun. Minutes later, the bus pulls up to a stone building. Mr Dunning leads the class into the lobby of the Wicked Wax Museum. A scowling woman in a purple turban and gold bracelet sits inside a ticket booth. These three students will not be going in. Oh no, that's Mr Dunning. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Wrong voice. Uh, These three students will not be going in, Mr Dunning tells her. He turns to you, Jake and Liz, and points to a bench by the wall. Sit there, you little monsters, and you better be still sitting there when I come back. I don't think that's an appropriate thing for a teacher to say. Yeah, that's fine. 
The class leaves you. <laughs> Mr. Dunning's cool. The class leaves behind. The class leaves you behind as they enter the hall of historical exhibits. A red door closes after them. Jake manages to sit still for a few minutes. Then he jumps up and says, "I think it's time for us to take a little tour of our own." Go to page seventy-five. Okay, here you go. You ready for a choice? Jake, don't, you whisper loudly as he disappears through the red door. You glance at the ticket lady. She's busy with something in the booth. Jake, you call again. We're in enough trouble already. You jump up from the bench and try to grab the door before it closes. Too late. The red door slams in your face. Hey, open up, you hear Jake yelling through the door. He rattles the knob. Help, he cries. Liz leaps up to help you push the door open, but it won't budge. Ha ha, funny. Stop kidding around, Jake, she scolds. Help! Jake screams again. He really does sound scared. Then you hear a whir. Like he also a... sounds like an absolute knobhead. I don't know that it's the voices you're pointing on. But <laughs> it's it probably that. Help! Help! Then you hear a whir, like a motor starting up. The click of gears mingles with Jake's cries. Jake! You shout. There's no answer. You press your ear against the door and listen. I think something's really wrong, you whisper to Liz. His cries are getting further away. We have to get in. You shake the door handle and give one last push. Suddenly, the door opens easily. Darkness greets you both. Darkness and the loud whirring of a motor. No sign of Jake. If you go in after Jake, turn to page 30. If you decide to get help first, go to page 111. But hurry! <laughs> what do you choose to do, baby? What are my options again? Do you go in after Jake or get help first? Get help. Okay. You're beginning to believe Jake's screams really aren't a joke. Still, you don't want to go through the pitch dark doorway that yawns in front of you. No, because I'm not a fucking idiot. Yeah. yeah. You're playing it safe. Yeah. Yeah. We'd better. Are you quite a goody two shoes? No, I'm just scared. Oh, scaredy cat. We'd better ask someone for I wouldn't, help. Why would you go in after Jake when I could get someone else to do it? Yeah, okay. I, I, I hear you. Uh, we'd better get someone for help. You suggest. You look around the lobby. There's no one here except that weird ticket lady, Liz whispers. She looks like a fortune teller in that purple turban. She gives me the creeps. Well, creepy or not, she's the only one here, you point out. God, so logical. You approach the ticket window. The ticket lady's sitting with her back to you. Excuse me, you say. The ticket lady doesn't speak or move. Excuse me, you say a little louder. We think our friend is in trouble. Can you help us? Still no answer. Why won't you answer? Liz yells. What's wrong with you? Maybe she's deaf, you whisper. You reach into the booth to tap the ticket lady on the arm. Her arm is cold and hard. You gasp. She's not real. She's a wax figure. Oh, my God. (laughs) Turn to page 12. Um, An awful gurgling cry from the doorway behind you makes you both shudder. Jake, there's no time to figure out why the ticket lady is made of wax. Your friend needs your help. We'll have to go outside and find the bus driver, you tell Liz. Come on. You step outside the lobby and look for Sal, the bus driver, but he's nowhere in sight. In fact, there isn't a living soul anywhere around you. What are you going to do? At that moment, a long black limousine pulls up next to you. Getting that. The windows are tinted dark blue. You can't see inside until the passenger side window slowly glides down. A uniformed driver leans across the seat. His hat throws a deep shadow that hides his face, but his voice is friendly as he says... I'm Axel. May I be of some assistance? 
And then it says go to page 69. But we're going to go to page 69 <laughs> next week. <laughs> because um, we just love a cliffhanger. <laughs> cliffhanger? Cliffhanger. Um, okay. Uh, shall we do uh, We Get Haunted So You Don't Have To? Welcome to the section of We Get Haunted So You Don't Have To. Except this time, uh, Hannah, I thought I'd be kind and I'm not going to haunt you. But oh. I'm going to find out a little bit more about you. Mora. Mora. <laughs> I'm going to find out your aura. Okay, let's go. What's your aura, Mora? Um, What's your aura? Tell, tell me what's, what's your aura. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is um, so a really quick quiz and then we'll fuck off out of here. Come on then. So, first of all, how are you feeling? Grounded and compassionate. No, grounded and passionate. Yeah. Empowered and social. Confident and creative. Mm. Gentle and sensitive. No. Loving and peaceful. No. Expressive and wise. No. Empathetic and connected. Ethereal and receptive. Confident and creative. Weirdly, it was already clicked on that. We are. We are. <laughs> right back. How would you describe your communication style? Direct with lots of body language. Upbeat, open and friendly. Energetic and humorous. Soft-spoken and sweet. Oh, yeah. Lol. <laughs> Calm and compassionate. Fully honest and transparent. Somewhat reserved, but still charismatic. Or comforting and quiet. Um, <laughs> sweet and reserved. Shut up. No, right, listen, it's my quiz, I'll pick it. Soft spoken and sweet. Yeah. No, the first one, let's get the first one. Direct with lots of body yeah, language. Thank you. Yeah. Take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> What's your ideal getaway? A vast forest with a gorgeous campsite. Ooh. Anywhere with plenty of adrenaline pumping outings and adventures. <sighs> a big city full of characters and new faces. A quaint town or village near a forest. Yeah. A zen retreat somewhere tropical. The beach all day. A serene mountain lodge, as far away from civilization as possible. The beach. The beach. The beach. The beach. Uh, which of these careers most suits you? Acting or dancing? A tour guide? An artist, writer or musician? Uh, it's, it's artist, isn't it? Yeah. You, you, it says here monk, but I'm going to put not that. You never know. Where do you feel the most energy within your body right now? The base of your spine? The low abdomen beneath your belly button, the upper ab abdomen between the belly button and the bottom of your tits. <laughs> says ribs, but I thought I put tits. Okay. In and around your heart centre, behind your ribs, in your throat, your third eye between the eyebrows or the crown of your head. Tits! <laughs> okay, so upper abdomen, yes please. Um, we're nearly done. Um, how do you define success? Stability in a lavish lifestyle? Yeah. Accomplishing challenging feats or winning competitions. Mm. Using my strengths and abilities to help others. Mm. Establishing strong interpersonal and romantic mm. relationships. Helping others while making enough for myself. Mm. Feeling balanced within myself and relationships. Leaving the world a better place than when I got here, where it can't be defined. It's simply a feeling of contentedness. Last one. Yeah. Do you consider yourself intuitive and or psychic? No. I I'm creative, but can't see intuition. I kind of do feel like I'm intuitive, though. Not so much, but I can still read a room. I'm good at inspiring and motivating people. I usually have a good idea of how people are feeling. I feel connected to other people. Yes, almost too much. Or yes, I've dreamt about things happening before they happen. The not so much one. 
Which one? Oh, not so much, yeah. but I can still read a room. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which of these things challenges you the most? Anger, commitment, actualizing your creative ideas, sticking up for yourself, playing the victim, putting others before yourself, staying grounded or staying true to yourself? Actualizing my ideas. Okay. And last question. Where can you be found at a party? Debating with other party goers about anything, striking a one-on-one -on -one conversation, telling a wild story to a group of people, flirting with a cutie, sticking by your partner or best friend, getting roped into a conversation about somebody else's problems, or off to the side in deep conversation about the future, or quietly observing the party from a corner. Telling a wild story. Okay. And you have a yellow aura. I've been told that before. You're sunny and charismatic and your warmth attracts many different types of people. That's me, kids. She's yellow and we've been ghost hands. Thank you so much. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Okay.